You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we and a few other people are going to be talking about Doctor Who so that you don't have to. Hi, I'm JR. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm Mark. And I'm Simon. And if this sounds a little bit different than usual, that's because this week, instead of getting together to record a Blue Box podcast, we did something else instead. We went to Big Finish Day 8. And we are driving home from Big Finish Day 8, hence the background noises and the occasional interruptions. By the lovely lady who says, after 45 minutes, etc., etc. Uh, Lee, have you had a good day at Big Finish Day 8? Thank you, JR. I've had an absolutely brilliant day. I've been bubbling all day. I've met so many interesting and fascinating and talented and clever and creative people. It's just ridiculous. Um, I was, it was a particular high for me to meet um, people like Matt Fitton, um, David Warner, who's fantastic legend uh, oh they're legend you know the blake seven cast are just you know uh, there's so many people there to really go paul on about darrow, paul on. darrow was absolutely hilarious he had us in stitches in the uh, in the big panel uh, you know the, the panel in the big room rather um the martian chronicles guys um that was a really nice moment talking to them uh, if you so don't... why why the martian chronicles guys uh well because Ray Bradbury's a, a bit of a hero of mine. Uh, Fahrenheit 451, Illustrated Man and all that. But The Martian Chronicles is something I grew up with and just absolutely adored on telly, which made me then read the story in the book, rather, uh, which I loved. And I thought, well, do you know what? I, I'll, they've just released an hour-long adaptation using British people, not Americans, um, and using the original Martian Chronicles stories from the book. And I thought, oh, it'd be great to, uh, to talk to them and interview them or we'll chat to them at least. Um, and it was great. I got to speak to to the writer, the guy who adapted it, uh, Mr. Richard Curty, who uh, we did an interview in his car, which was <laughs> surreal but fun. <laughs> uh, it's great. I, I just absolutely loved it. Brilliant. Is, Whole day. There Fantastic. Is pictorial evidence of that interview is there. There is pictorial evidence of that interview on Instagram. I think his Instagram. So there you go. Um, yeah, no. Whole day was great. Beth Chalmers was a bit of a highlight for me, um, <laughs> amongst other stuff. But I've had a great time. Mark. Yes, very enjoyable. Um, some great panels. Um, as Lee mentioned, uh, Paul Darrow was hilarious. Um, I'm not sure if he'll actually make it out onto YouTube because <laughs> he was a tad X-rated in places, but very, very funny. Um, yeah, just a great chance to meet up with interesting people. And... Um, yeah, great day out. So, Simon, how about you? Have you had a good day? I've had a really good day. I'll be quite quick because I'm actually driving at the same time, so we don't end up at the back of a lorry. Um, well, yes, we're at the back of a lorry. We are so just about. I'm looking at the back of a lorry. I'm hoping it's not reversing. Um, Any second now, you'll hear our indicators go. 
And yeah. you'll know that this is genuine. We're not just pretending to be in a car. <laughs> we actually are in a car. And uh, I'm going to slow up while I talk. Uh, yeah, really, really good day. I uh, kind of can only echo what everyone else has said. Really, it's just been lovely, brilliant meeting Mr. Andrew Smith in yes, in the flesh. And um, yeah, yeah, really good. A lot of people meeting a lot of people. Um, a lady called Christine Grit, who I've been talking to online for a very long time, and bumped into her. And uh, yeah, just a really lovely, warm day. Well, that's the great thing about the Big Finish Day is that it's it's like a convention, but it's a bit more intimate, and so you actually get to just sort of hang around with the people on the panels and get to meet and chat with. And it's not like um, I mean, with some of them. Jacqueline Pierce, for example, there were so many people in the queue for Jacqueline Pierce. She was kind of run off her feet with the uh, signatures and that. But with a lot of them, even somebody like, say, Paul Darrow, we actually just got to sit down and meet Paul Darrow, which was lovely. Oh, that was particularly interesting, wasn't it? That that little meeting, that was a bit weird. <laughs> it's a really surreal moment where we all walked in and we were the only ones in the room, and there he was with um, uh, McNeese next to him. Ian yeah. McNeese, fast asleep. <laughs> <laughs> fast asleep next to him. That's the effect you normally have, Lee. Sorry? That's the effect you normally have. I know. I think he was trying to say something about Paul Darrow. <laughs> and then he was he, he was banging on about a doctor's bag, which he'd bought for 40 quid. And we we must have been about four or five minutes, which in kind of waiting at the desk, waiting for him to sign something time, is like a bloody lifetime. But it was yeah, really he was funny. five minutes late into his panel. <laughs> he made him five minutes late. Oh, the man was an absolute genius. Oh, I loved it. Mike, did you have any... Uh, did, did you get to meet Paul or not? Uh, I didn't really get to have a, a chance to have a chat with him, but um, a few of us stopped to speak to Jacqueline Pierce, and uh, yeah, she was lovely, very gracious. She's mad. And, um, she was very gracious when she took my bloody cigarette. Yeah, she she uh, she did borrow a cigarette from JR, and uh, we all stopped to have a little photo taken under the no smoking sign, which was <laughs> quite amusing. Right, um. We'll talk a bit more about Big Finish. Afterwards, we'll talk a bit more about actual Big Finish and the plays and stuff like that. But before we do, um, during the day, I recorded a handful, only a handful, very short interviews with some of the stars who were there. And so that's what you're going to hear next. Uh, I'm here now with Ian McNeese, who needs no introduction, distinguished career behind him. You've been in some amazing programmes Actually, of all your career, what is your own personal highlight? Do you know what? It's um, I'm so lucky, really, to have been able to play a, a, a plumber in Doc Martens, say, who I've dropped to a plumber one week and then turn around in the same week get a chance to play a prime minister, Winston Churchill, in another. So no, it's been a it's been a glorious uh, time for me to be play all these. I've not been a, I've not been typecast, which is you know I, I think is the actor's nightmare to be. Stuck with the same role, so no, I've uh, I played many roles, Nazis uh, along the way, uh, uh, Roman newsreaders in Rome, uh, all, all sorts favorites. of things. Oh, one of your favourites, but the sign the sign language of that I I did in that absolutely, no, so fortunate, fortunate, and then you know, and and, and even to, you know, manage to be in a sort of a, a blockbuster. Um, Comedy show with Jim Carrey's Ace Ventura when nature calls, or or you know, my my agent rang a little while ago and said, 
do you want to be in a zombie movie? I said, of course I want to be in a zombie movie. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be in a zombie movie? So um, Day of the Dead, which I did in Bulgaria, which is a remake. So no, really hugely fortunate to have done all these things. Well, you've just mentioned playing the Prime Minister, Winston Churchill in Doctor Who. What was it that brought you to Doctor Who? Was it because it was Doctor Who or was it because it was Winston Churchill? Well, I just played uh, um, Winston Churchill in the National Theatre. I played a... Um, him in a play about Harold Macmillan, played by Jeremy Irons. And the casting director and producers came from uh, Doctor Who in search of someone to play Winston for them. And that's really how I got the role, I think, having already played it before. So it was terrific to reprise it again. And of course, it's not, it's not as similar as doing it on stage. You've got to take it right down and start again and look at it from a more of internal approach, which is, you know, what happened. But just the joy of that. And what I didn't realize that having done that, having been in Doctor Who, it just opens up so many avenues for you because you get these conventions yeah. that uh, ask and require you to go to all over the world. I mean, Australia, New Zealand, America, several times, you know. I mean, even going on a Doctor Who cruise, for goodness sake, out of, out of Miami, around the Caribbean. So it's, it really is a gift that keeps on giving. Were you expecting any of that when you went into Doctor Who? Because some people realise that working on Doctor Who, especially in quite a significant part like that, is going to bring this kind of thing. But then some people just have no idea. I had no idea. I mean, I have to say, my Doctor had been uh, Tom Baker when I grew up. So, I mean, I knew, obviously, the show. But I was very... What I was aware of, that actually since David Tennant had been in it, and so they brought it back and threw a whole chunk of change at it so it looked a lot, lot better than the old days, I realized that we they reached a point where they could have who they wanted. It was like, you know, it was becoming a who's who, and it's become an even bigger who's who since. What with Alex Kingston and John Hurt, Michael Gammon, I mean, these names that keep on, you know, it's like they can have the cream of the crop. So to actually play a substantial role in that uh, was a huge feather in my cap to... to uh, I've been in that, for which I'm very grateful. Is that the kind of thing you get recognised more for, then? Something like Doctor Who, rather than something like Edge of Darkness, which is, you know, something that a lot of the people who like Doctor Who, I suppose, hold in very high esteem. Oh, totally. I mean, I've been in Kansas recently uh, uh, to visit my girlfriend's parents who live in Hutchinson, Kansas, and I get stopped even in the supermarkets there, basically for Doc Martin, but a lot of the time, uh, at airports in America and stuff like that, people will come up to me and say, weren't you Winston Churchill? Yes, no. You get a lot of recognition for something like uh, because an awful lot of people see it. Yeah. awful lot of people see the show. And, and, and I'm forever, certainly the age range, of course, the age range, the demographic for Doc Martin is uh, 60, 60 to 70 plus. So, you know, this is a much, much younger demographic for yeah. me in Doctor Who, I have to say. Young kids will say, oh, Weren't you Winston in, in Doctor Who? And for a lot of people, which is extraordinary, is that this is their first introduction to Winston Churchill yeah, in their true. history lessons. So it's like, you know, oh yeah, I saw him in Doctor Who. I know Winston Churchill. So that that's very funny to actually be their first introduction to such an iconic, wonderful character. So how have you found, I mean, you've done theatre, film, TV. How have, you found, how have you found doing Churchill on audio? Well, Churchill, I, I then went on to do Churchill again in the King's Speech, uh, which was uh, the the uh, the uh, play version of, of the film. 
So that's having done him on the television. I went back to do him on the stage again. And then out of the blue came this joyful uh, moment to come and do um, uh, um, Doctor, Doctor Who um, with, uh, um, with the Big Finish productions. So, no, I mean, that's just a joy, really, to do that. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm with Kai Owen of Hollyoaks and, of course, Torchwood. <laughs> How's your day been so far, Kai? It's been really good. Uh, I love coming to these events. They're always great. And uh, it's my first one I've done um, as part of sort of the big Finnish event. And it's um, it's so lovely. Everybody's always really nice. It's a nice, smaller event. Yeah. A bit more intimate. But uh, you're able to be a bit more... You know, a bit more yourself with people, actually, I think. Well, I think you get a bit more time to chat to people. I mean, um, people have always got so many interesting questions. They know so much about the series, and they've got so much, because they're so loyal. And um, um, So, yeah, it's nice to have a little chat with them, really, and I haven't been to a convention for a while, so it's nice to sort of, like, catch up with a few familiar faces, some old friends, and um, hear people's views on the new sort of audios that we've done. And, uh, yeah, just, just, just it's always a nice day, because people are so lovely. The atmosphere is always nice. Excellent. How are you finding doing the audios then? Because, I mean, you do TV, that's one thing. Doing it on audio, completely different it's thing. Been, it, it's been lovely to do. It's lovely to be back in the studio with Eve uh, and recording some Torchwood stories. Um, it's great, great fun. Um, I think it's in safe hands with Big Finish. And um, as I said, the fan base is so loyal um, and it's still huge. So um, it's, I'm just pleased for them that Torchwood is still out there. Well, that's the thing about Torchwood. It started fairly small, got big really quick, and seemed to explode. Yeah, and it's not going away by the looks of things. It's uh, it's still hanging around. So, uh, and that's that's a credit to the fans and a credit to people through events like this and and the loyal support. It's a wonderful series, and uh, it, 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 I have fond fond memories of it. I miss it every day. Uh, it was a brilliant job to do, and to, to still be able to do it during the audios is is, is a bonus. When you when you started on Torchwood. At the start, effectively, you had quite a small role. Were you ever? Did you have any idea about how important Kai would become in that series? That Kai, uh, Reese. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 not at all. I think um, they, they they weren't too sure what was going to happen with him at first. I think I was only sort of cast as a semi regular. That was the initial yeah. breakdown for it because I was just going to be the lead girl's husband. Um, and obviously, he didn't know anything about torture. He didn't know anything about what Gwen did. Um, and he went on <clears throat> to become really uh, a real integral part of the whole sort of team and the storyline. You know, he now gets involved with adventures. Well, by the third and fourth series, yeah. you're one of the main regulars. Pretty much so, yeah. I mean, it's been amazing. I mean, the journey he's been on has been great and very grateful to have not been killed off. Very grateful, <laughs> very grateful to Mr. T. Davis for that. Uh, so, um, but yeah, it's been great. And, and I love all the normal stuff that Reese does. I love him being a house husband. I love him being a dad. I love him being a lorry driver. But I also love him getting caught up with their uh, extraordinary adventures. Fantastic. Before we go, I have to ask you one question about Hollyoaks because yeah. if I if I wasn't to, I'd be in trouble with uh, the ladies at home. <laughs> The, the role you've got in Hollyoaks could not be further away from the role you play in Torchwood. But, by the same token, that is a dream role for any actor, isn't it? Well, it's a lovely, it's a lovely storyline. It's a storyline that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, obviously, we're working closely um, with the NSPCC as yeah. part of their No More Secrets campaign to highlight the, um, the, the abuse yeah. that scarily and unfortunately takes place 
on a daily basis uh, around the world and especially here in the UK when people are watching Hollyoaks statistically somebody is going through what the McQueen girls are and have been going through at the hands of Pete the character that I play it's um, it, it's it's been an incredible storyline it's been a pleasure to to be involved in it we're very proud of it we're very privileged to be able to tell that that story and raise awareness for it if it helps one person speak out then we've done our job properly um, the NSPCC do marvelous work it's um, uh, and from a from, from from a personal point of view Hollyoaks has been by far the most my most favorite job that I've done um, it's such a happy place to work lovely people lovely cast um, and um, it's coming to an end this year obviously because my character cannot hang around yeah. uh, he's gonna get justice the correct way in the way people like Pete deserve to get justice and he'll be treated in the right and just manner so um, I knew at the beginning that there was a beginning middle and end to my story I knew this wasn't gonna be a long-running job um, but I'm very proud of it and I've loved every second and I can't wait to see Pete get his uh, just desserts and get sent down. Well, thank you very much, Kai. That no was worries. Brilliant. I'm sitting here with the legend that is Paul Darrow. Legendary. Paul, my first question has to be, are you as much of a handful in the studio as you are in an interview situation? No, I'm, I'm a pussycat. I can't believe it. Paul, God, how many years ago is it since Blake 7 now? The one amazing thing about that TV series more than anything else was the sheer chemistry between the cast how has it been trying to recreate that chemistry for big finish in the audience actually you've hit the nail on the head Uh, it was either by luck or good judgment probably a combination of the two that the cast came together it wasn't Laurence Olivier Ralph Richardson and so on and so on but we clicked and um, that's part of the reason why it was the success it was and still is, I and, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you all already had decent careers as actors before that, but Blake Seven yeah. made made you stars for that generation. Sort of, like, sort yeah, of, yeah. yes. Um, it was a double-edged sword, really, yeah. Oh, go if on. If one went on to do uh, something spectacular afterwards, which none of us did, uh, particularly spectacular, um then it would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, um, well, there was a thing in the one paper, I can't remember which one it was, who should be the next James Bond. And I was number one. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, it was Timothy Dalton. So oh, wow. There you go. Well, <clears throat> how have been the next James Bond? Yeah, well, it would it have been, been interesting. Well, I wouldn't yeah. be here talking to you, would I? No, well, no you probably no. wouldn't. <laughs> how how is it doing uh, the big finish work? Then how is it getting back together in oh, the it's studio? Great. It's great. It's great. great. It all boils down to the script. The script's good, and it's it's a breeze. Oh, wow, they made it easy for the people writing the scripts because those characters are so strongly defined. The, the characters are strong. Yeah, yeah. And it is a bit of a breeze, Cav, I, I think, would agree. Uh, obviously, you've got to keep an eye on it, make sure that it doesn't get out of hand. But, uh, yeah, it's fine. Brilliant. One final question, then. You have an autobiography coming out on audio, we've just heard. How was it to do that? And uh, the stories that you wished you could have tell, told, but you held back from? Well, yeah, you've got to be careful. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> you know, Um uh, yes, uh, you, you, uh, as I get older, uh, excuse me, 
uh, I, I think how unfair it would be to be unkind. Uh, and anyway, I haven't got anything to complain about, really. Most people I've worked with have uh, been splendid. Well, you've had a great career and you've worked with some Well, re- reasonable career. Yeah. But uh, at, the, at the moment now I'm in the wheelchair. Unless Ironside comes back, I'm in trouble. Oh, who knows? They'll find you something, I'm sure. Mm, we shall see. But it is great to see you still around, you know, after what happened. Mm. Uh, well, thank you anyway. Thank oh, you my much. pleasure, JR. Oh, and here I am with Lisa Boehm. And, oh, I'm only talking to legends on this podcast. <laughs> the checks in the post. Lisa, oh, I was going to say 25 years ago, but actually slightly more. Oh, 1989. Yeah. yeah that was survival. And from little acorns to oh. great oaks grow, because nowadays you're all over Big Finish and you are you are a legend in the Doctor <laughs> Who universe. There's well, no two ways about I, it. I never quite know how far the spread of Bernie Summerfield is, but I know how far the spread of Big Finish is. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about little acorns. I mean, it's now, what, over 17 and a half years ago that we started with Bernice and and look look where they are today and thank God for them you know absolutely what what was it like then going from having had did not a huge role but not a tiny role really? in Doctor Who to sort of being taken into the family as it were well, I mean when, when you work on Doctor Who especially when when Sophie and Sylvester were there it was very much part of the, the family it was a very happy show even though obviously it ended up being the last one well, of the run the not at that stage because I think they were still going to be making ghost light after that anyway mm. um, but I wasn't really aware of being part I mean quite how how involved a fandom was until a few I was touring and I got a phone call very early in the morning saying would I do an interview for a magazine about survival and then that was the last thing and then it's actually all connections it's like an octopus I uh, I'd kept in contact with Mike Tucker uh, I'd done an interview for a thing called I Was a Doctor Who Monster, which Keith Barnfather made, and right, was interviewed yeah. by Gary Russell. Then this Bernie Summerfield thing came up, because obviously they didn't have the rights to Doctor Who at that stage. And they were, uh, and Big Finish, when they first started, uh, w- wanted to find something that was Doctor Who related. So I, when I was told about, you know, or asked whether I was interested in playing it, and then ultimately auditioned for it, Famously in, in, in Nick Briggs' front room with a microphone strapped yeah. to an uplighter, which was not what I expected. Anyway, I thought it was a job that was going to last two weeks. I thought it's a bunch of fanboys with a Casio recorder in the front room and, and that'll be it. And I and didn't tell my agent. And wasn't quite what I expected. I think when I first got the, um, the, uh, the, the first tapes back, because they are obviously were on tape in those days, um, I'd never done anything post-production before. And Alistair Locke, who's still working for Big Finish, had done an unbelievably good job on the editing. And I, I suddenly changed my mind. I thought, this is sounding quite good. I honestly thought, especially when they got the Doctor Who license, that that would be the end of Bernie Summerfield. Um, but I, I it's almost like a talisman, I suppose. She's been kept on in. And what's been so brilliant is that they've, they've kept her interesting enough and they've just shifted the, the series enough and not reinvented her. You don't want to throw the no, baby yeah. out with the bathwater, but they've, they've developed her enough to keep her interesting. And I think it also is a validation for the strength of character that Paul Cornell created originally. Um, What's been very interesting in the last year, because I always thought I was in a big Finnish bubble, it's a very niche market, Bernice. But Bernice as a character has sort of seemed to crept 
into wider fandom much more in the last year um, than oh, really? it ever has done because I um, I very subliminally and I mean subliminally made an appearance in, in, in Peter Davison's Five-ish Doctors oh, yeah, and there was yeah. a bit of a oh is she canon and I thought well that was just I just happened to be there um, and then I uh, I don't know whether you know in the last uh, year or so um, BBC books have been reprinting some of the new adventures, and they reprinted Human Nature, course, uh, which of yeah. course was adapted for for, Dave, uh, for um, David Tennant and the, mm. the Martha character was obviously Bernice was turned into Martha. But I was asked by the BBC to read the audio book, and um, so suddenly I've got a sort of BBC Bernie Summerfield credit, and then. Gary Russell was writing a Peter Capaldi novel, uh, the Twelfth Doctor novel for the for the most recent books, and he wanted to use River Song and asked Mr. Moffat, and he said, "No, no, no, but use Bernie Summerfield. I quite like her." I thought, wow. didn't know that. And then uh, I was asked to do the BBC well, show book for that. Given so, that he came up with River well, Song, well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move swiftly on from that subject. Yeah, very no, far. fair enough. I think, bar there, pref- I mean, first of all, I was a bit kind of, hmm, you know. Uh, uh, but actually, the more you l- see River against Bernice, the more you realise they're actually fairly dissimilar personality-wise. So you basically just it's just the, the job and the diary. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I'm I'm eternally grateful. I wish I could tell you more about Bernice, but I'm I'm fortunately I'm sworn to secrecy because no, we've got a, we've, we've just yeah. in the middle of recording some more exciting adventures of oh wow wonderful in a different form which I can't tell you. Oh no, that's okay. <laughs> People will find out. Go, in oh, course. they will. There'll be a big like, splash about it. You have a panel to get to fairly I do. soon. So nice one, to meet you. one final yeah. question yeah. though. Um, you now have your finger in lots of pies, not just acting. Yeah, directing. How's that yeah. been? Well, obviously, I, I started directing for Big Finish about 10 years ago now, um, maybe a little bit more. And uh, it was Tim, Nigel Fares who was doing The Tomorrow People who first, uh, I mean, they'd asked me ages ago, but, you know, when you get the Doctor Who license, you don't give it away to people who haven't been waiting for it to do it for years. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, uh, I thought that was pr- pretty much that. But um, ble- bless him, Nigel Fares asked me to direct The Tomorrow People. Then uh, I started getting involved with the Sapphire and Steel range, uh, and then when David Richardson came on board, um, Big Finish, a few years ago, he, one of his favourite audios happened to be one I directed for Sapphire and Steel. And he asked me to start doing the Companion Chronicles. And then it sort of uh, crept around and it, and it turns out to be something I really enjoy. And um, what's lovely about Big Finish is that you don't really have a lot of interference when it comes to the production. You're, you're given the script. And obviously the regular characters or whoever, you know, whether it be Blake Seven or, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Uh, and then... Because Big Finish, thank God, has got a really good reputation in the industry. And, and it's a very overcrowded industry. It's a small industry. Word gets yeah. around very quickly. Um, I'm like a kid in a sweet shop now because all the directors, we all do our own casting. So I can just open the spot back and go, now, who are we going to get? get? And, you know, <laughs> they say yes. Oh, wow. So uh, I've, been, I've been really spoiled. I've had the most fabulous casts. Of course, I have the joy of doing Jago and Lightfoot. Which is my kind of pet, really. Yeah. It's my, I would say it's my baby. I think it's you know David Richardson's baby, but it's my baby to. You know, it's a lovely thing to do. I hate it when they go off and get directed by somebody else. I feel like I'm the other. No, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I apologise for Ellie now, but you know. <laughs> well, thank you very much for thank stopping you. by to chat, That's and okay. hopefully at some point in the not too distant future, we'll do all this again in much more depth. Sounds good. Brilliant. Thank, thank you. I'm <laughs> uh, sitting with Sylvester McCoy. Uh, who needs no introduction. How are you, Sylvester? Are you having a good day? Yeah, it's lovely. There's a lovely, lovely feeling and atmosphere down here in uh, Windsor. Actually, between you and I, it's really slough. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, these big finish days, you enjoy doing them. I mean, compared to some of the bigger conventions you've done, the 50th, for example, and abroad, the, the smaller ones, do you find them nicer to do, or is there no real comparison? No, there is a comparison. I enjoy the smaller ones because they're more personable. And yeah. you can wander around, you know, and chat to people, and you've got more time with people, more relaxed. Whereas the big ones, amazing. I mean, they're, you know, extraordinary. And, but you're, you know, rushing from one big kind of, uh, you know, like the 50th anniversary where we're doing a Q&A with uh, four and a half thousand people, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas here, it's just, you know, with a couple of hundred, and you can yeah. get to know them. I like that. Well, on the subject of the Seventh Doctor, and I don't mean this in any way disparagingly at all, because I think, you know, when you turned up as the Doctor, Doctor Who was pretty much getting back on its feet again, and then disappeared. Has it been nice? I mean, you've played the Doctor now for, what, five times as long on Big Finish as you did on the television? Has it been nice to be able to go back to that character and really give it the justice that it probably didn't get on the television? Yeah, no, it has been great to go back to it. Um, and, uh, as you say, explore it more. We did some good and interesting exploration of the Doctor towards the end of the series. And we were, you know, going on to the fourth season, which they, they twisted my arm to accept and do. Yeah. But then at the very last minute, they changed their mind, which is very naughty of them. But, um, so it's, you know, it's enjoyable to, explore those areas um, where we might have gone Brilliant. Do you find working on audio a huge difference to working on the television as you were before? Yeah, audio is very different really. Audio uh, on television, you know, is a visual thing. Uh, you communicate by, you know, t talking and uh, walking and acting and movement. Mm. On, uh, on audio, you're, it's all the voice and I like audio also, I like both really, but audio, you can get much deeper into the head and mind of the characters and the Doctor especially. Whereas on television, the Doctor has to tell somebody what he's thinking. In audio, the audience can be inside his head and knowing what he's thinking. And I like that. I like, I like the Doctor when he's solitary and contemplating what's happening in the universe. I like those areas. I like the fact you can get right deep inside. Brilliant. And how's, how's it been working with Sophie Aldred again? Because there was a huge gap, but you maintained your friendship, didn't you? Yes. Well, we never actually stopped working because when Doctor Who finished, um, the Doctor Who fans around then started making audios. I mean, this is before Big Finish. Big Finish kind of grew out of this. We used to record in someone's bathroom because it was good sound. And then we started making um, videos, you know, VCRs of, of, of kind of pirated Doctor Who, changing the name a bit, but it was yeah. Sophie and I. And, and, and Colin was doing it as well. And so we carried on keeping it alive. Principally, the fans kept it alive. Uh, but they wanted us to, you know, you know do it because that's why... They were keeping it alive. And so out of that then grew Big Finish and um, uh, Jason and uh, Gary Russell, they came in and they made it more professional and then, then it became more and more successful and now it's just extraordinary and it's a great celebration of the dedication of the fans because Big Finish is a 
fans. They made it. There were fans who created it, and there were fans who bought it. And then the BBC suddenly realised there were still fans out there, and then, in a sense, they decided to take the gamble to bring back Doctor Who again. And it was all down to the fans. So, working for Big Finish, I mean, did you have any idea when you first became Doctor Who way back in the 1980s that here, 30 years later, as part of, essentially, a kind of extended family, you'd still be doing it? Uh, no, I didn't really. Um, I, I, I don't think we thought that far in the future. You didn't think about that. You just thought about the next story, trying to make it, or just kind of keep it alive and trying to bring it back onto television, but never realised it would go on. I mean, I, when I was um, the Doctor, we celebrated 25 years of Doctor Who, and that was extraordinary at the time. Um, and, and, you know, no, it was, it's, it's amazing, and it's delightful, and it's glorious, and astonishing, and I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much, Sylvester. Pleasure. Big finish, then. I mean, uh, Lee, I'm going to ask you, because you're the... With Simon driving, you're the easiest one to ask, really. Big finish, what they do, kind of started off during the wilderness years, it kind of started off as an alternative to Doctor Who, as much as anything, as an alternative to Doctor Who on the telly. And it, it started off small, you know, a lot smaller than it certainly is now. It, it was one of the, it was like a little family club, but it seemed because it started in that way, it seems to have grown as like an extended family business. But nowadays, they've got their fingers in an awful lot of pies, and not only that, with the new series licenses they're getting, they're actually getting a lot more attention for themselves too. So it's almost a little bit like an underground club that's kind of gone overground, but still managed to hold on to that sort of family feel that they've got. Yeah, I, yeah, it's really true. Actually, it does feel like that. There's a lovely, there was a lovely feeling today at the whole convention. Uh, but um, I think you know, you've got the people that were there from the beginning, um, uh, High Eloy and Briggs and people like that. They, you know. Nicholas Briggs was doing his own recordings when he was a fan with with tape cassettes. I think he was the doctor in a lot of those things. So, you know, he's been doing it for donkey's years. And then there was the moment when he was doing the Myth Makers and interviewing everybody. So already had a really good kind of connection with lots of people. So when this, this opportunity came up, um, it was just it was so good for the fans to hear all this stuff. Because that was the wilderness years, wasn't it, when they kicked in um, with Sirens of Time and all that. But just, Did you hear Sirens of Time when it came out? I heard, yeah, I heard it when it came out. I was I was... I thought it was really good. I just didn't think it was that great. But Phantasmagoria, that's the one that really got me interested. Uh, I think it was Mark Gatiss, wasn't it? Right, that yes. one? Yeah. So I loved that one. Uh, and they just got better and better and better and better. But they've had different kind of, not ups and, I don't say ups and downs, but they've had different feelings. Uh, you know, the way that the things are tones, different seasons. And uh, they're at a place now, I think, where by they've got so many people involved so many ranges so many different things and it's all consistently high quality i mean dark eyes and stuff like that amazing they're now doing avengers they've done a triffids thing uh there's blake seven of course loads of blake seven stuff and it's just it's just non-stop there's uh what else they do a prisoner isn't it one of the new things they even the amiga factors survivors yeah and they were thinking about um taking on some other stuff like that as well adam adamant and Whatever, you know. Well, they also do single plays like the Frankenstein and the Dracula, and they were talking about another one that's coming up too. Well, in fact, they were talking about H.G. Wells, weren't they? Yeah, that's that's a good point. They were thinking of taking all of the H.G. Wells and 
novels or the ones I suppose which are sci-fi tinged um, and turning them into adaptations is that right or was it just readings I can't remember I don't know but I got the impression it was full cast plays they were talking about maybe not might just have been audio readings but I think it was full cast plays I think they were talking about doing the whole canon as well all of his novels everything that seems to be what they said that would be fascinating to have things like Keep the Aspidistra Flying and stuff yeah, yeah. recorded as an audio play. Of course, there was a film of Keep the Aspidistra Flying with Helena Bonham Carter and Richard E. Grant. Was that any good, though? Uh, yeah, it, it was all right. It wasn't one of the best films ever made, but it, it was all right. It, it stayed true enough to the novel, and because it had Richard E. Grant and Helena Bonham Carter in it, it was certainly a very interesting film to watch. I'll be interested to see what they do with it audio-wise, then. Uh, Mark, what's your experience with Big Finish audio? Yeah, I've dipped in and out of their range. As you said, in more recent years, the range has really expanded in a massive way. That's, that's good and bad in, in some respects. Um, unfortunately, my, my wallet can't quite accommodate every single release, which is a shame. Uh, but there is just a huge choice, and that's great, because if one range doesn't really do it for you then there's probably something else that will uh, I picked up the first series of Survivors um, at the event because I fancy giving that a try JL keeps bagging on about it so I thought I might you know, <laughs> give it a go God help him if it's not very good but I think it is going to be excellent um, so yeah they've done some great stuff in the past and um, I think as you pointed out the the level of consistency now is very good they've got some really top writers and um, they're bringing in some huge names like John Hurt I mean who could have imagined having John Hurt when Big Finish first started all those years ago um, and I think it's just going to build from there well the thing that they've done with the Doctor Who range for a start the thing that they've essentially done is with the doctors that they were able to get early on Peter Davison Colin Baker Sylvester McCoy they try, they've tried to stay true to the styles of writing, the types of stories, even the musical accompaniment to go with those stories. And now with Tom Baker, they're doing it again with various different parts of the fourth Doctor's era. I mean, the Mary Tam, they had a couple of series with her, now Lala Ward. And they seem to be dipping into both season 18 and season 17 Lala Ward, with John Leeson, of course, he was there too. So... In that respect, those stories have tried to stay true to their eras. With Colin Baker, because his era was so short, and because it never really got a chance to go off at the tangents it looked like it might well do, had it not been curtailed at the end of season 22. And season 23 is a, a sort of a standalone oddity that doesn't fit into any defined way of looking at the canon as an ongoing entity. So with Colin Baker, they've had the opportunity to experiment a little bit with, you know, some of those odd plays with, for example, Frobisher the Penguin in. Stuff that they've experimented with, with the Sixth Doctor, that even the TV would never have been able to do. But what they've, where they've really built their reputation, I think, is with the Paul McGann stories. Because with Paul McGann on the TV movie, just that one time that was like a practice run for what Paul McGann would have been as the Doctor and for what Paul McGann's Doctorhood would have encompassed so 
Big Finish were basically presented with a completely blank slate for the Eighth Doctor. And so they've been able to... Well, first of all, they took him off for the regular Eighth Doctor adventures, which kind of harkened back to the classic series style of Doctor Who. But when the new series came back, they did something really clever, and they said, okay, you know, with the Eighth Doctor, we've got kind of this blank check to kind of do what we want with the stories, so let's open it up even further. And of course, the I think it's four series of Dark Eyes they're into now, which are kind of in a box set of four 60-minute stories. Each of those is essentially replicating, to a degree, what a 13-episode series would do on the telly. Have a proper story arc where the four stories add up to something bigger. And that seems to have been a bit of a catalyst for the way Big Finish have looked at doing their other ranges as well. Anyway, the Paul McGann audios. Mark, what do you make of those? Yeah, I think they're very good. I mean, McGann is excellent. As you said, it's his chance to shine, having had that brief moment in the spotlight back in the 90s. Um, I think you missed out a sort of a, a period in between Dark Eyes and the original series, which was the Lucy Miller um, kind of run of uh, shows. And what they were trying to do was emulate the format of the Russell T. Davis era that was present at that time. Um, and I think they did that quite successfully. Um, so, yeah, I really like Paul McGann, and uh, I think he really shines on audio. I think uh, it works really well for him. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, I mean, you've said it already. Do you know what this sound feels like when we pass this microphone around? <laughs> and we're talking like this. It's almost like we're sports pundits or something. It does feel a bit odd. Like. Um, anyway, no, you, it, Paul McGann had three... I suppose maybe more actually, but there's three distinct areas. Aren't there? Yeah. You know, when he first started with Storm Warning and all that stuff, um, beautiful first season, um, and then it uh, kind of went all over the place a little bit, experimenting, doing different stuff, and then you brought, you know, the Lucy Miller business for the BBC uh, was fantastic, I thought, um, and now we got Dark Eyes. And if anybody's not heard Dark Eyes, um, I've heard the first box set. And it is astounding. It's so good. It's so mature in its writing. Um, and the acting is just brilliant. There's nothing like it on radio. I mean, the BBC radio plays are great. I've always loved them. Um, and Big Finish always emulate that style, because uh, that's where it kind of comes from, I suppose. But, you know, to ha- why, why don't we have this kind of stuff? Why don't we have Big Finish on BBC radio as a regular thing? I don't get it. Um, so good. Yeah, Dark Eyes, definitely recommend it. Yeah, that's true. I missed out the Lucy Millers. And very good point. And you sort of touched on another point there, talking about the the, the, the the quality of the recording and the acting. That's one thing that, I suppose, because of what they'd been doing before with the audio-visuals range. So when Big Finish actually got the license to do, you know, legitimate Doctor Who, they pretty much hit the ground running with a house style that was already established so they didn't have to go through that difficult early phase of finding their feet. They kind of knew instantly what they were going to go in doing. And part of that is not just the storytelling, but part of that is also the acting styles and sound design. They've gone in, and they're not exactly the same as the kind of acting you get on the BBC radio. I mean, I also, you know, one of the things that I've been looking at recently is um, the wireless theatre productions. And with each of those things, you kind of find a different style. Big Finish have found a way of doing audio Doctor Who. Because it's not the easiest thing on Earth to do. 
to do stories that are essentially very visual. One of the really big things of the classic series, especially during, say, the John Pertwee years, was the visual aspects of it. Now, one of the things Big Finish have really managed to get down to a fine art is to be able to tell quite visual stories in a way that doesn't flag up the fact that you're only really listening to them. Well, I was, I was talking to a chap who did some of the sound design. Unfortunately, I can't remember his name, but I'm hoping to talk to him a bit more in the future. Um, and uh, he came over and, and spoke to me while I was talking to Barnaby Edwards. Um, and it was, it was fascinating. He, he, he was doing real Foley. He was doing the old-fashioned... Yeah, yeah. yeah it, um, in a script somewhere in one of the stories, he, he told me the story which made him laugh, actually, as he was telling it. And it was um, he had to replicate the sound of a spade being hit against a wall um, and he said, "There's, there's nothing but actually doing it for the sound." Yeah, so, yeah. so he's out there hitting a spade against the wall and recording it. And then, you know, he'd get in his bath and fill up the bath and put the, uh, you know, the recorder underneath the bath itself and start scratching away to get weird sound effects and stuff. You know, this guy is just so creative. And that was just one aspect of one of a huge team of sound designers and it's composers as well. Not a million miles away from what they did in the classic series with some of the sound effects there. I mean keys scraping on piano wires and such yeah I mean I did ask you know do you still put marigolds on and, and you know use washing up liquid and squelch and things and he goes yeah <laughs> do well and then beyond that now of course they're getting in River Song Tenth Doctor and Donna and of course the new series Monsters with classic doctors Weeping Angels obviously be interesting to find out how that turns out but but what do you think of the idea of Big Finish moving into the new series? Because it's one of those things that seemed to be talked about for years, whether the BBC would ever give Big Finish a licence to do new series stuff. And I think some people were probably starting to think it was never going to happen. And then almost overnight, it seems, you've got the War Doctor, the Tenth Doctor, and all these other things as well, the River Song, even the Churchill Adventures. All this new series stuff has suddenly gone into Big Finish, Apart from the way it'll up their profile, do you think it'll change the way they do things? The way they tell stories? The way they tell stories? Well, I don't know. I think that depends on what the range uh, asks of them and, and uh, the people running it. But what I mean is, what I mean is when, you, when you have something new in your toy box, quite often there's a knock-on effect on the things that you've already been doing, and it will kind of influence the way you use the things you've already had. Yeah, and also, you know, obviously we've got the series running at the moment. So, I mean, if they're going to be doing things like the Doctor and, and Donna and, you know, it, it was asked in the, one of the panels whether the music would be, you know, replicate Murray Gold's music. And they said, yes, there's going to be an element of that as well. So obviously, you know, the writing would have, will still have to fit the style of the era. The War Doctor, though, that's something a bit different because no one's ever seen a War Doctor episode on TV apart from Dare the Doctor. So that's a chance to go down the Paul McGann line I think and sort of the same sort of thing they've done with Dark Eyes find a way of doing it I mean as long as John Hurt's happy to continue recording they could go on and on and on with these stories they're just brilliant and even even then when we're talking to Matt Fitton there are ideas that there's uh, you know that they might do um, not the not lost stories what are they called the ones that you know just kind of um, companion chronicles right, yeah. version with the war doctor so that you know they can continue with this character forever and ever and ever um, and he's lived, lived hundreds of years so it's great but the writing yeah i think they are upping their game 
uh, a lot, actually, and it's becoming something quite spectacular. With Big Finish, with audio stories like Big Finish, do you think the most important thing, because there are several different ways of looking at this, is it more important to be authentic to the doctors as they were on telly? Is it more important to perhaps focus more on the characters? Because one of the things about audio is that you get a lot closer to the characters than you do necessarily on television, even though you can't see their faces. You kind of end up getting inside their heads more. Or do you think the most important thing is the ideas and the science fiction? Mark, what do you think of that? I think all those things are quite important, but I think at its very core you've got to have a good idea. Because if the actual idea itself doesn't stand up to scrutiny, then everything else kind of falls apart. Um, I think... I mean, it's been tried out so many times, but uh, Colin Baker's Doctor, you've seen a, a difference from perhaps what you would have seen uh, in his short run on the TV and perhaps an idea of where he might have wanted to go with the character had he had a few more years in the role on the television. So it gives an opportunity for characters to progress um, beyond what they could have done in the TV show. I mean, you mentioned before about old doctors and new monsters um, and they've got this huge universe to play with now somebody suggested in the audience how about the war doctor and ace i think that would be yeah. quite an interesting combination so yeah there's there's so much for them to, to sort of draw on um, but i don't know if you were inferring you said about having a, a new toy to play with um, there is a danger of kind of going a bit crazy with it but um, i think at the very top you've got Nick Briggs and Jason Haig-Ellery and I think they're both pretty switched on chaps and uh, I think they have an idea of where they want it to go so I don't think they'll be going too crazy with it but it just gives them so many more storytelling ideas so yeah I think it's, it's looking good for the future yeah I think you just said it there story uh, story is the most important thing as long as they've got a really good story um, then you, you're halfway there but obviously they're never going to be short of excellent actors great ideas and characters because there's such a big team of people now anyway I mean even on I think on the stage Nicholas Briggs was just uh, kind of rambling at one point about something or other and he said oh right I think I'll write that down and he's probably not wrong he'll, he'll go off and write do something with that um, but it's non-stop they're a non-stop creative machine but definitely story I think is the most important, important thing with any of these things um, and you're right about the subtlety of character that can come out uh, there's so much dialogue when, when writing it's a different thing you've written kind of dialogue JR haven't you for audio and it's a real different yeah, okay. thing to do um, as opposed to writing a story in a book where you can literally write down what people are thinking obviously you have to write um, yeah, almost like a, mono kind a monologue story yeah. sometimes it is there's a lot of dialogue involved yeah and sometimes you have to I mean, both of my stories have ended up largely being... A, I mean, I've only ever written two for unofficial audios. Both of them have ended up being stories in which dialogue and conversation takes on a greater importance than action or yeah. dynamics. But that was a function of trying to write something, not knowing where you are. They've managed to sort of, you know, fr from my experience of them, they've managed to marry those two things together great. Simon... Yes. Do you have a lot of experience of Big Finish? 
Not a huge amount, no. It's, I still I still kind of dip in and out. I mean, I, every now and again, I'll manage to get a hold of a copy of an older one. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been dipping out of the areas. Most recent ones have been the, the newer Fourth Doctor stories. So, But um, going back to what you were saying just now, I find it fascinating, this idea of new monsters and classic Who. I mean, they make a big point of kind of recreating the eras so you can almost like the the stories fit into the existing era but i think it'd be interesting when they get these new monsters in there that will that kind of change the dynamic or how well will these new monsters fit in with that old era and will there be kind of a almost like a hybrid hey see what i did that (laughs) Um, a hybrid of the two eras in some respects i mean it, it will flow i mean moving on a few years if they ever get the chance of doing matt smith stories where they're replicating the Moffat era. I mean, how is that? That the knock-on effect of that on the audio is going to be quite marked, I would have thought. And maybe bringing that sort of modern sensibility to the classic Doctors and the, and the newer stories, which I think they have been from what I've been hearing. Certainly with the uh, the Tom Bakers that I've heard, the better ones of those. Um, I think it's fascinating, and I I just can't help. I think I've said it before. Is I love the idea that these big Finnish audios can create that bridge. I know that for most of us, there was a bridge between the old series and the new series with all the Virgin Adventures and that sort of thing. But actually, this does create a proper blend between the old series and the new series. An actual physical blend that involves the same actors. Exactly, exactly. So I I find the whole thing incredibly exciting. And and as Lee was saying, talking to Matt Fitton, I mean, he, he does feel like he's... He's, uh, you know, a kid in Santa's workshop in some respects of um, certainly being able to put the words into, like, John Hurt's mouth and things like that. He said he just can't believe his luck, really. So, yeah, I think it's fantastic. On some other ranges, then, Mark, for example, do you have much experience of anything outside of the Doctor Who with Big Finish? Uh, Yeah, I've picked up... They do sort of classic stories, so they've got a a version of Treasure Island with... uh, Tom Baker in the lead, yeah. uh, which is quite good. What I've heard of that so far, I haven't Direct heard of all of it. Barnaby Sorry, directed by Barnaby Edwards. Yes. Um, so yes, that's rather good. Um, as I say, I picked up Survivors, so I should be giving that a listen. Um, but I have to be honest, my my main interest has been the Doctor Who range, um, and that is just huge in its own right. Um, but I think that diversity in bringing in the other properties is good because obviously you're going to draw in uh, not just Doctor Who fans but fans of other shows too Um, and it might perhaps broaden your taste a bit so if you're used to sticking only to Doctor Who it might sort of switch you on to something that you may not have considered investigating before um, yeah, I mean, I have. Uh, not that many, I think, but um, the one that sticks out was the Blake 7 range that's that's out at the moment. Um, I bought an extra one today, in fact. But they are great. You know, you've got a car- full cast drama. you pretty much got everyone from the original you know, series in it, or the one that, that, that means quite a lot. Anyway, you know, <laughs> Paul Darrow's in there and Servalan and, you know... Um, it's great it's just really 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 good and it's done with such passion and and uh oh, what's the word you know the, again it's that word creativity isn't it it's really just and also the humor there's a lot of humor in it as well 
Um, the sound design is brilliant, and you know when the music kicks in, that you know, it's just Simon and I. You know when they had it, and, uh, when the panel Sorry, was up, like seven theme done through the bottom of an elephant. But uh, me and Simon both had kind of little, little prickles on the back of our necks. We're going, oh, music! But it's true. Um, I highly recommend the range. This isn't an advert, by the way, but that it, it, well, it is, I suppose. It's just great, yeah. So, Blake Seven, I would definitely recommend. Um, well, and like, I have, haven't I? Yeah, but Martian Chronicles is something that I was quite interested because that was originally put on uh, BBC Radio 4, and Big Finishers kind of brought it in to distribute it. And I don't think they were necessarily part of Big Finish originally, um, so that is a that's an interesting way of doing things well and also i think we saw dorian gray and some classic stuff there you, you listen to dorian gray haven't you Jay? oh yeah yeah i've reviewed a lot of the dorian grays they're great in fact one of the things i find as well as the rangers because i mean the rangers that they do outside of the doctor who they suffer from because they're outside of Doctor Who, for a lot of people they're more disposable. So you've got to try and find a different audience. Well, we were talking about Venn diagrams before. Some of the Doctor Who, the people who like the Doctor Who range, will buy into the other ranges. But then some of the people who buy into the other ranges won't even be interested in Doctor Who if you can find your market. And I suppose that's the big thing with Big Finish. You've always got to find your market if you're going to move into these other areas. And then, of course, there have been other things like, I think it was Tomorrow People where they started working on Tomorrow People did, I think, is it right, two series, I'm not sure? Three series. I think so. And then had the licence pulled because the, well, because the series went across to America, didn't it? I'm, I'm assuming that was the reason why the licence was they pulled. They were pretty good, actually, as well. They were good? Yeah, pretty good. And the other one I, I neglected to mention, but I absolutely adore, was the Judge Dredd series. They were really funny. They were just like the McMahon strips of the newspaper. A bit like, you know, you go back in time to the 2008 the early 80s. And it's got that fun and that humour. And Judge Dredd sounds like Judge Dredd. And all the kind of weird and wacky characters that are in that world come across brilliantly. It's a good series. If, if they're still producing it, it's worth seeking out. Right, right. Well, some of the other things that they've been doing that's very interesting, outside of the Rangers, they've been doing, like with the Martian Chronicles, although that's a Radio 4 thing that they've just kind of released isn't it they've been doing some one-off novels and not always necessarily classic novels i mean they've done frankenstein and dracula and like i said they're looking into their hg well situation at the moment or they're doing them but one of the other ones they've done is um night of the triffids they're sort of official but obviously by a different author sequel to day of the triffids so there's obviously a case there of them saying, look, what can we get the rights to? What do we think can sell? And what do we think we can adapt using our systems and our writers and our actors and our techniques and do an effective job of? I've actually got Nigel the Triffid sitting at home being such a huge Triffids fan, but I've not got around to listening to it yet. It's still in the cellophane, but I couldn't resist buying that. So that's one that I definitely want to... Well, after Survivors, it's kind of in the same in the same area. Yeah, Survivors is the big one for me. Simon, do you have any experience of outside of the Doctor Who range with Big Finish? Not a huge amount, no, not at all, not really. Um, well, in that case, that's enough from you. Yeah, yeah. 
I'll carry on driving. <laughs> yeah, you do that. And he ever asks you questions, I hope you've noticed. You know what I really want? I, I think I read somewhere they'd done a version of Wizard of Oz, and I would love to hear some of that stuff, and certainly stuff that I can sit down and listen to with my daughters. would be a big thing, so... Oh, yeah, that would be fantastic. Well, that was going to be my next question. If anything that they've not done, that, it, let's say money and rights was no boundary what would you like to see them do either as a one-off adaptation of a novel or to take a novel or something like that and turn it into a series dr in quinch who dr in quinch what the hell is that is a comic strip from uh, alan moore and alan davis comic strip from 2000 ad oh really yeah yeah what happens in it then um uh, well it's been years since i've read it it's it's kind of comic silly sci-fi adventures it's just very very good it's a sort of social commentary mixed in with two crazy aliens really and um, right. it's quite, obviously it's very visual because Alan Davis is an incredible artist but I think the potential's there that you could actually create something a bit different with it audio wise something very different from anything Big Finish have done maybe something pure comedy you know yeah yeah be really good Lee any thoughts about what you'd like to see them do yeah definitely I mean Quatermass would be great they could bring it back and release, uh, you know, a, an up-to-date yet still kind of true to true to the classic. Uh, that'd be that would be an amazing thing to do. I don't know whether they could get the rights to that or not, but um, that'd be amazing. But also on the 2000 AD kind of run again, Halo Jones because. We all know, I think, Halo Jones fans and 2080 fans were gutted that it finished after three kind of um, major stories. But, um, um, you know, Alan Alan Moore had had more to write, a lot more to write. And I think it could be adapted. It's quite quite an upbeat and very interesting universe. And And I genuinely think that Big Finish would do it proud, actually. So Halo Jones would be great to hear. Mark? Struggling to think of one. Uh, one did pop into my head, which is more more of a flippant idea. Would be would be Campion because uh, they've got an actor who's who's played that role before. So maybe those in audio would be fun. Or uh, Nick Briggs today mentioned whilst negotiating for other things, he was desperately trying to get hold of Thunderbirds. Obviously, that's had a revival on the TV, so I can imagine that's gonna change hands relatively soon for a while anyway yeah, uh, but yeah that yeah. that would be uh, quite fun I think in audio what about yourself JR well obviously and we all know my one you know my one wish for what Big Finish should do is something that Big Finish are now doing so I can't really say oh I'd like to see them do Survivors so you know what I'm going to say instead I don't think they've ever done this I'd be really interested to see Big Finish start something completely from scratch. Not in any previous universe, but take, I don't know, half a dozen, a dozen actors that they've got, that they know what are capable of, that they know their techniques, get three or four of their writers together and somebody to script edit and oversee and come up with something, who knows, a 45-minute sci-fi type thing or maybe even a 30-minute sort of sitcom type thing possibly with sci-fi overtones and do something completely from scratch because you've got other companies doing things like the Scarifiers but I don't think there's anything in the big finish fold like that of their own is there no I don't I 
just trying to think. I don't think there is actually. No. Uh, nothing original because everything's a spin-off of Doctor Who. You got the Churchill years and Jay going like that and all that. Yeah. But yeah. that's all a spin-off. Yeah. So something from scratch would be a fascinating project for somebody to work on. That'd be great, actually. Well, I'll get in touch and I'll see if I can't get it started. <laughs> And finally then, summing up, you have a good day today, Simon. I did, very, very nice. And uh, anyone listening to this who was there, who I said hello to, or anything like that, if there's any chance at all you're listening, thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, it's just, it was just great and very aspirational for me, you know, on a lot of levels. And it just, it was just a joy, really, and lots of laughs. Um, and, you know, I always say it's always about the communication and, just talking to people and meeting people is always the best thing about any of this. I've got a couple of autographs, but the best thing was just meeting people, really. I mean, David Warner, what a gen. Oh, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I got him to sign um, my copy of Terrors of Theatre D'Obelie. So, um, very happy. Thank you. Um, you know, Lee, just before you tell us whether you had a great day or not, what happened to your copy of... Uh... <laughs> well, you know, Simon's right. If you ever get to meet David Warner, he is such a gen. He's a lovely bloke. Um, and you know, gave him a nice shake of the hand and told him about the book that we'd written that he'd done a forward for. Um, and then he, he kind of said, "Oh well, I haven't got a copy." And I thought, "Oh, um, all right. Well, maybe you can have mine." <laughs> so I just handed mine over. Um, I'll have to go and buy a new one. But hey, David Warner's got my copy, unless he dropped it in the bin on the way out. But uh, yeah, no, I've had I've had a great day. And do you, do you know what? I've neglected to mention one person that I bumped into today, which was a real joy actually and it's Chris Taylor from the fan show the Doctor Who fan show that's I think mostly on YouTube and, and Doctor Who um, official site and stuff but she's full of beans really intelligent really clever lovely kind of personality and she's the new breed of fan um, you know we're the old breed and she's the new breed and it's really really interesting to see her and her reaction to Big Finish because it's all new to her actually the Big Finish range um, yeah, no, fascinating. So, really, really nice to meet her. I've had a great day. I've had a great day. I could talk all night. <laughs> yeah, it's been a fun day. Um, got to meet a few people who I've kind of known or, you know, been aware of online for a while. Uh, it's nice to meet them in the flesh. And, uh, yeah, a good chance to see some really interesting panels and, uh, yeah, just have a, a day relaxing fantastic yeah it's been a great day one of the really lovely things about these actually is either meeting people that you know from online and have never met in the flesh before or else catching up with people (laughs) (laughs) or else catching up with people that you tend to spend most of your conversations with online but it's nice to actually sit down with some friends now and again and actually have a conversation in person for a change and I think Apart from grabbing these bits and pieces of interviews and watching bits and pieces of panels there, here and there, that was my day really, catching up with people. So it was, it was a great day for all of us. Um, you know, uh, what can I say if you've not been to one of these big finish days before? It's like a little mini convention and it's a really nice size. It has a really intimate feel. And, you know, in the morning, most people are doing their shopping and doing their photographs and going to the panels in the afternoon everything all relaxes up a bit and you kind of just get to sit down and chat with some of the people whose work you've admired fantastic i think that's it then 
I hope this podcast's come out, otherwise this is going to be a very short 23-minute podcast. But until next week then, next week we are diving into the lower half of Series 4, so we'll find out whether Silence in the Library or The Doctor's Daughter was the least loved story in David Tennant's third series. But until then, I was JR. I was Lee. I was Mark. And I was Simon. And we will speak again soon.